0: Hey, I'm Phil. I lead the team here at St. Paul Shabwell in the heart of East London. And over the last few weeks, as we've launched off into this Aum term, we've been reminding ourselves of the big vision that God has given us to make disciples, transform communities and plant churches. And that the best bit is that this is not just a vision we get to talk about, but a vision we get to see. This is what God is doing in and through us through all of you. yeah, I love journeying with you and being a part of this amazing church family, a family of disciples. And it really does all begin with that first pillar of our vision, making disciples, being disciples, us following Jesus, being with him and learning to be like him. And after a tough season when many of us have felt disconnected and unsure about what life should look like, we're coming back together to a focus on discipleship, our personal discipleship. And so the big question that we are wrestling with over the coming weeks is, what should it look like for you and I to be disciples of Jesus, to follow him, to learn from him here in East London in 2021? Hey, why don't you pray with me and then we're going to jump into Mark chapter 3. Jesus, thank you for choosing us as we spend time uh, with you now in your word together. Would you draw close to us, remould us that we might reflect you and carry your love into our world. Amen. Amen. So Mark chapter 3 uh, it's early on in Jesus' ministry he's begun preaching about the kingdom of god he's healed a few people he's already got a bit of a following and he's just begun to call together his first disciples and, and after a run in with the religious authorities of the time Jesus withdraws with his disciples to a lake and uh, and there in Mark chapter 3 verse 13 we read this Jesus went up on a mountainside. And he called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, who he also named apostles, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Hey, what I've got for you today is there are two eyes in disciple. I mean, there actually are two eyes in disciple. And my hope is that that might help you to remember two key principles of being a disciple of Jesus intimacy and imitation. And we see both of these highlighted here in Mark 3. But first, as we try and apply what being a disciple means for us, it's good to begin by acknowledging that disciple is not really a word that we use today. I mean, we know it's got something to do with learning and following. However, if I say to you today, who do you follow? I guess many of us will immediately think about the media channels in our pockets. You know, for the last 20 years or so, our world has been increasingly saturated by a particular follow culture. You know, one where we follow people we don't know. We're friends with people we don't like. We like things that we may know nothing about. We follow someone today, we unfollow them tomorrow. You know, to follow someone takes no commitment and it has nothing to do with proximity. And this hyper-connected world ends up leaving us increasingly disconnected and living in a time where intimacy is scarce. Now, we also live in a very academic and cerebral culture. Learning in the 21st century is is primarily about learning here. It's primarily about understanding things, about knowing things. Education is rigged towards amassing knowledge rather than experience. We, uh, We learn by going to a classroom. We sit on a chair. We read a book. We take a course. We take on information. Often we are told what to do, not shown what to do. But life and learning in Jesus's time was very different. And when we talk about biblical discipleship, we need to be really careful not to tear it out of its first century context and just kind of insert it into our world today. So, So let me give you a little historical context, a little bit of a backstory on discipleship. Well, first, and a lot of people don't know this, (laughs) Jesus didn't invent discipleship. Yeah, He was not the first rabbi to have disciples or the last. In fact, discipleship didn't even start in Israel. It started, as far as we can tell, in Greece with Socrates and and Aristotle. You know, all that to say discipleship was just part and parcel of the first century world. You know, rabbis, uh, and when I say rabbi, I think... Yoda, you know, teacher, great one. Uh, Rabbi actually comes from an old Hebrew word, literally meaning my master. You know, rabbis, they were the big celebrities of their day. They would travel from town to town, drawing huge crowds, teaching and preaching their message. And, And if you were in the top 1%, particularly bright and switched on, you had the intelligence and the drive or the work ethic and a rabbi saw that in you, then he may say something to you like, come and follow me. Come be my disciple. Now, let's say that you, you did make the cut. Okay, You became a disciple of a particular rabbi. Then your big goal, and if you're taking notes, write this down, goal number one was simply to be with your rabbi and this is what we see in verse 13. Jesus called to him those he wanted that they might be with him. You see there is an intimacy to being a disciple and it was a 24-7 thing. Literally, you would follow your rabbi around from village to village, from synagogue to synagogue, spending every waking moment with him. You would eat meals at his side. You would sleep at his side. As relationships go, it didn't really get much more intimate and close. This was your life. There was a well-known Hebrew blessing in the first century that went something like this. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Because, you see, most of the learning wasn't done in a classroom. It was done out on the road from village to village. Your rabbi would, would walk out in front, uh, kind of a slow stroll, and, uh, and you and like a dozen or so other disciples would walk behind and, and he would teach you. And you would talk and dialogue all day. And if it was a good day, you would literally, by the end of the night, be covered from head to toe in the dust of your rabbi. And that was considered a great honour. Because the more time you spent with your rabbi, the closer, the more intimate you got, the more you would begin to imitate your rabbi. Now in our day and age, particularly in a city like London, the prevailing message is be you, be true to you, find yourself. But that's not the world that Jesus was born into. And the great honor of being a disciple was all about becoming a carbon copy of your rabbi. You would not only follow him around but you would try and imitate his every move. You would imitate his tone of voice, his dress, his mannerisms. I mean, it sounds kind of creepy, right? But it was how it was. You wanted to be him. That was the goal. And did you see in, in Mark three fifteen, 15, Jesus' aim, you know, after his disciples had been with him, was to send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. And that is what Jesus Had been doing. Yeah, Jesus was saying, be intimate with me so that you can imitate me. There are two eyes in disciple. And ultimately, the great destination of a disciple was one day to become a rabbi themselves. Yeah, and after years of following your rabbi around, if you stuck at it, if you made the cut, if you made it through. When you were ready, you know, perhaps your rabbi would turn to you and say something like, hey, I believe in you. I think you have what it takes. Go and make disciples. And of course, if that sounds familiar, well, that's what Jesus said in Matthew 28. The great commission that, that echoes throughout history to us today. Disciples, disciples who make disciples, who make disciples. Intimacy that leads to imitation, that leads to intimacy, that leads to imitation. Now, whether it's the first century or the 21st century, you need to know that there are two eyes in disciple, intimacy and imitation. And so the challenge for, for each one of us is what that looks like in our lives today. What does it mean for you to be intimate with Jesus and to imitate Jesus? And so as I said, we're going to be unpacking this over the coming weeks, but I want to spend the rest of my time today briefly thinking practically about this area of intimacy, closeness to Jesus. But because we're not Peter or James or John, and we can't literally follow Jesus around and get covered in the dust from his feet. You know, Jesus has died and risen and ascended to heaven. But right before Jesus ascends, just after he's commissioned his disciples to go make disciples, he says, I am with you always. Uh, I mean, he, he's literally back off to the father in heaven and he's like, I'll be with you always. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, there's a confusing kind of tension here for us. Yeah, and for the first disciples. Until you get to Acts chapter two and the coming of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of Jesus who dwells in and equips and empowers 1st century disciples could come close and get covered in Jesus's dust. 21st century disciples come close and get covered in his spirit. So a primary goal of our discipleship today is learning to live in a constant state and awareness of our intimate connection to the spirit of Jesus One of Jesus's most famous teachings about this intimacy is found in in John 15, where Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me or, or abide or dwell in me, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Uh, Jesus' metaphor for how you and I are to be with the Spirit is that of a branch abiding in a vine, constantly connected and drawing life from the vine. The Apostle Paul later calls it prayer without ceasing. Someone once said to me, prayer is a lifestyle interrupted by prayer meetings. You know, being a disciple of Jesus, just like in the first century, is this intimate, 24-7 living in the presence and the power of God, being intimately immersed in the dust of his spirit. But the truth is, this way of living takes practice, right? Right? <laughs> You know, especially if you have an iPhone or if you live in the city or you have to commute to work, you know, it always, well, at least if you're me, doesn't feel natural. Yeah, my mind and my heart and my body do not seem to default to Jesus. Yeah, I don't think it feels that easy for lots of us. And this is why for thousands of years, the church has gathered and taught various spiritual disciplines, practices like silence and community, prayer, fasting, giving, reading scripture, Sabbath rest, breaking bread, receiving wine every single one of these, a way of imitating the life of Jesus and there to help us to come close to him and stay close to him. And My hope is that these practices and disciplines are some of the things that we'll be able to explore together in our docks and, and our groups as we pray together, prayer walk together, read the Bible together, retreat together. And encourage one another with the different tools and rhythms that we found helpful as we practice intimacy with Jesus in our everyday life. And there's plenty of room for all of us to go on a journey with this stuff and to recognize that we're all differently wired and we'll find different things helpful yeah a really great uh, book and i wanted to get practical today uh, a really great book to help you reflect on what on what makes you tick is is gary thomas's sacred pathways yeah here he unpacks nine different spiritual temperaments and he thinks about how each of them can find intimacy with jesus in different ways yeah you know, we're all different uh, for me, as, as I uh, mark out time with Jesus, I've found that, well, I need to switch things up regularly. I'm not great with the same thing all the time. You know, although I know for some people they really benefit from that. So I just wanted to quickly share with you a few of the different things this year that have helped me. Yeah, you know, just in the last nine months or so. Uh, you might want to try some of these. Yeah, so first during uh, lockdown, the team here uh, and I well we spent um, time using the, the Lectio three six five app together from the twenty four seven prayer team. Uh, it's a brilliant tool. They're just brilliant guided prayer times, and there's there's an audio version you can you can listen to. It's super simple to engage with. Brilliant. Yeah, and another of the another of the great things uh, that I picked up at the start of the year was from Rick Warren yeah he talks about his word first word his word last word his word first word his word last word and i've found it really helpful to have an open bible next to my bed and this is it i've just grabbed it today so i have this bible next to my bed uh, and i found it really helpful for this to be the first thing that i look at when i wake up and the last thing that i look at when i go to bed you yeah, know just just reading something short maybe a few verses you know or more if i have the time and allowing God to speak. His word, first word, his word, last word. Uh, I've also been using um, this book. It's uh, Tim Keller, uh, daily devotional on Psalms called My Rock, My Refuge. He's got a few of these. Uh, Just short thoughts on a section of a psalm, you know, really quick, uh, which I like to look at at various times of the day. Yeah, I quite like to look at these just before I do a workout or something, so I can chew over it, just hold it in my mind, meditate on it, meditate on God's word. Yeah, Another great practice that lots of people do is to set an alarm on their phone or, or their watch to go off at midday uh, so that they stop and pray, You know, often saying the Lord's Prayer. I remember the first time I met Mark Bishop, uh, we were having coffee and suddenly both of our phones went off at the same time to say pray. And so we stopped and we said the Lord's Prayer together. And I, and I thought, yes, this is someone I want to work with. And, uh, and finally, recently, I, I've also found, um, the new updates to the Bible app, to, to you version, uh, really, really helpful. Just loads of, guided prayers and meditations that help me to, to slow down, help me into that intimate place with Jesus. Now, I'm going to put the links for all these things in the description below. I'd love you to check them out. You know, there really are so many amazing tools today at our disposal. You know, and if you find something that works for you, a particular rhythm that works for you, encourage someone else with it. I mean, another thing—we're we're so privileged here at St Paul Shadwell in East London to have the Royal Foundation of St Catherine just down the road. It's an incredible oasis of a retreat centre, and I'd encourage you to book a day or a morning or whatever you can just to go there to withdraw. It's just like Jesus did. You know, it is worth a morning of your holiday. You know, maybe a couple of times a year or more if you can. Yeah, just find what works for you, because the point is that we forge good habits and rhythms in our days, our weeks and our years. Yeah, not so that we can legalistically kind of tick through a spiritual to-do list, but but because these practices are all a means to an end, a means of being intimate with Jesus, drawing close and getting covered in and connected to his spirit. There are ways for us to say, God, you're here in this time, in in this place. And I've not been here. I've been on Instagram or I've been checking my email or I've been in traffic or this morning I was just trying to get somewhere on the DLR and all the trains were delayed. You know, basically, I've not been intimate with you. I've not been close to you. I've been somewhere else. But now I'm here and you're here. We're here together. I've got this great orange cocktail chair, which uh, which I got from some of my friends for my birthday a few years ago, and um, and it's in my office. And I love to to just go and sit and spend a few minutes there with Jesus. I don't read my Bible. I don't, I don't even pray, even really. I just I'm just there, you know. God, you're here. I'm here. Just a few minutes. It's yes, great. And it's these times where it all starts, because Jesus simply calls his disciples to come close, to be with him. Yeah, and the best bit is that we can all do it. This isn't just for the top one percent. You know, Jesus says to each one of us, come be my disciple." It doesn't mean you have to get ordained or become a pastor or work for a church or or move to the other side of the world. You know, your life as an accountant, as, as a barista, as a designer, as a, as a student, as a mum or a dad, as whatever your thing is in your life. You can know that when you wake up each morning and over every single other thing, the big goal is simply to find intimacy with Jesus. And as you do, you will begin to imitate him, to live as his disciple with two eyes. Hey, why don't you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for calling me. Thank you for calling us. You see us, you know us, and you want us close. And I pray for everyone listening right now to this, that they would sense you drawing near. Cover them with your spirit. Help us, Jesus, to to forge patterns in our lives that that centre on you, that, that continually draw us back to you. Lord, may we find that intimate place with you, that we might learn to imitate you to reflect you in our homes, in our communities, in our workplaces, uh, to carry your love into this world that so desperately needs it, For your glory, Jesus. Amen.